Welcome, everyone. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a play this week. I watched a movie. This week we are covering Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. It won Best Picture at the 2016 Oscars. It is the first Best Picture to focus on LGBTQ themes, and it is the first Best Picture to feature an all-black cast, among many other accolades. So this was an uh, audience suggestion that we got in. We thought, what an amazing uh, opportunity to dive into a, an adaptation that people really haven't focused on the adaptation portion of this. Uh, this right. was an unpublished, almost autobiographical uh, play by Terrell Alvin McCraney. I think it also won for Best Adapted Screenplay by Barry Jenkins. So this is going to be picking apart the relationship between the two of them and how we ended up with the uh, amazing piece that we did. I mean, it is nothing short of stellar. If you haven't seen this movie, I really can't recommend a better movie to go stop it listening is, yeah. to it to go watch that. <laughs> it's um, on lists all over the place of the best films of the 2010s, maybe even of the 2000s, it has just done something quite different, which is why it was praised heavily is because, hey, here's something we haven't seen before. And why is it that we haven't seen this story? So this um, is the, the yeah. story of a, a young African-American man uh, through three stages of his life, very young in his teenagers and then into his 20s, just trying to depict how society and culture tries to push you around in your self-identity and your sexuality. This is about seeing a, an LGBTQ story from an uh, African-American perspective. This is all about breaking the norms. We usually don't get these types of stories from these types of settings, from these types. You know, that's, that's what this is here to do, is say, no, we need to be telling these stories. These are real stories. These are things that are happening every day across this country and across this world. And this is just a beautiful tribute to all the people living this truth. This is, this is happening yeah. every day, everywhere. I was fascinated, and we're going to uncover the story of how this story came to be, which starts with an odd thing, which is called the Borscht Corporation. Borscht. And I promise that we'll Borscht. <laughs> we'll tie it back. So it is Borscht is a Ukrainian stew in oh, which no. everything is thrown into the mix. I've actually had some. Oh no, um, <laughs> Polish Ukrainian, you know, Borscht based with beets, but it just means it's it's everything in the mix. And it is the Borscht Corporation is a Miami-based film collective which is run by these two guys. It's Lucas Leva and Andrew Hevia. Oh, whoa. And they have this interesting artistic film collective and festival that happens in Miami. And so their whole premise oh. is having to compete with the beaches, the parties, the clubs. It's Miami. Mm -hmm. And we have these esoteric artsy films. So they have to make it worthwhile to the audiences. So they're known for being on the edge of things. One of the things that got a lot of traction from this was this short film called Adventures of Christopher Bosch in the Multiverse. Christopher Bosch is, or was, I guess, a player on the Miami Heat. And oh, uh, oh. this was a animated film that was about the intergalactic adventures of the power <laughs> forward. And he's fighting these characters in multiple dimensions. Just a crazy, crazy animated oh, film. Man. And it was known because Chris Bosch requested a cease and desist because they like, you don't have a right to use my likeness. This is a whole <laughs> like everything. And the creator leaned in and they were like, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, well, the, here's the proof. This means that the universe is in danger again, because clearly this is the Christopher Bosch from another dimension who's coming in to threaten what this story. Nothing came of it. He was just like, go come to the festival and, <laughs> and see the and see the film. So that's the kind of stuff they're doing. And I'll post there's tons of links. Everything that I mentioned 
as far as a piece of media has a link to it. All this stuff is up online. So if you want to see that short, it is available. We are well sourced, um, ladies and gentlemen. It's a <laughs> testament to Taylor Zabloski's work. <laughs> it's all in the it's all in the links. But that is it was a crazy wild thing. So that's the kind of stuff. But the whole thing is all their stories that they fund or create or promote have to tie into Miami somehow yeah, with the right. creators of the culture or whatever. As soon and as you gotta, said it, the, yeah. the light bulb went off and went, oh, okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, if you don't have a guess, Moonlight is set uh, in the Miami area. They're going to come back in way later, but just keep in gotcha. mind, that's where my research started was with the Borscht, Borscht. Or- <laughs> Corporation. The Borscht Corporation. <laughs> to be named weird, yeah. So the two guys who are most responsible for what's going on with Moonlight, and you've already mentioned their names, Barry Jenkins and Terrell Alvin McCraney, they grew up four blocks away from each other in what? a area of Miami called Liberty City. They went to the same elementary and middle schools, and it's not like, oh, well, they went to they they they're only a year apart in age. What? Um, and I had no they, idea. And they they never met in spite of their upbringing and being that close geographically and in school. Oh, that's that's yeah. insane. Yeah, that is insane to think about. That's how they connected so well is because they have such a life experience. But imagine if they had connected. Yeah. when they were seven and not <laughs> into yeah, their really. 30s. Yeah, they diverge in high school. So Terrell goes to the New World School of the Arts, which is a high school in Miami okay. devoted to the arts. And so he gets that track and he has all these free programs that encourage cool, him yeah. along this path. And he said, just one little moment to put things in perspective. He was doing a show at a halfway house, just high schoolers. And of course, they're doing stories about teenagers growing up in Liberty City. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they know. That's what they're writing about. And it's about parents, kids, drugs. And one of the women stopped the thing because she was just so emotional and crying. And she was like, now I know what my children were like, what they were going through. You're making re- me remember these oh, moments. Man. And so even in high school, he's like, I have to keep doing this because maybe if my mom was here, it would have helped her. Oh, wow. So that's his theater interest and why it became why it's a play but that's his gotcha. his track in high school and then he goes to college at DePaul for theater Barry on the other hand went to high school a different high school played sports and got a, a very quiet kid got a scholarship to Florida State University okay. and uh he chose film which I thought, well, that seems like a strange, why would you choose film as your major? So I looked into it and he was like, well, I was going to major in English, but just in junior year on a whim, I enrolled in the film program. Oh, Uh, yeah. So one of the people he met there was Adele Romanski, who he worked with. They worked together in film school. And there was another guy, James Laxton, who ends up being his director of photography on a lot of things. And just one of the films that he made there as a testament to kind of what he's even doing in college is called My Josephine. Again, it's on Vimeo. There's a link if you want to see it. Right. Um, it's about a couple who are Arab immigrants who run a laundromat where they wash American flags for free because this is a couple years after 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's just yeah. an interesting premise and concept. And, and in an interview with Adele, she was like saying, for most of us, this was in college, it's a safe space to make bad short films, things you're goofing around, you know, right, right, action For fight sure. scenes, weird, you know, stuff like that. And she said, Barry was the kid who was consistently making something beyond his peer group. He was exploring characters who were outside of the mainstream. What 21 year old from Florida is making a movie in Arabic? Like the, oh, there's yeah. no, it's all subtitled in Arabic. <laughs> so four days after graduation, he moves to LA and spends two years as a production assistant which mm-hmm. is what you do in, if you want to be in the studio film world. Back to Terrell's side. 
his mother had just died from AIDS complications. Mm -hmm. He was planning on going to graduate work. This person who was sponsoring his Yale drama school application had left the school, so he had to reapply just in a bunch of crazy personal turmoil. Oh, God. And so this is a play that he wrote for college. It's called In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. And he didn't think of much of it, and it gets shelved for nearly a decade. He ends up getting a writing residency, ends up getting into Yale later, and pursues his career as a playwright. So that's his track. Yeah. The book, which I read in question, and I have to admit this, I actually did not read it because you cannot get a copy because you mentioned <laughs> this, but the play, the play was actually never published because it was a college assignment. And I saw in an interview, because I was trying to find, I spent a long time yeah. trying to find it. And there was an interviewer that directly asked him, he was like, are there any plans for it to be performed or published? And Terrell said, absolutely not. There's no way this is, this is getting out there. Because he was like, first of all, and this is, since I didn't read it, I looked more into actually what it is so I can at least speak to what sure. is on the page and what Barry Jenkins used. So he said, first of all, it was never a play. That's a huge misnomer. Um, but okay. we're just going to keep calling that because that's what everybody calls it. Because he's okay. a playwright and he's in playwriting school. But he said it was really scripted for the visuals of it, almost like a film. So okay. it doesn't have any of the play structures. Like there's no lights up on, curtain it's up, not inner stage left. Play at all. It's it's yeah, literally all the instructions are like cut to little standing in a field, little being the kid's nickname. Oh, wow. He's like, most theaters would go insane trying to figure out how to stage that <laughs> right. because it, it doesn't fit within the conventions of theater. But he was, gotta, okay. How many backdrops? Have you got? <laughs> yeah. What in the world? Three people. So, and the, and then also the original work is simultaneous. So there is the idea of the three different stages of the man's life but you see all of them at the same time. So it's like a day in the life of each character, but the jumping mm -hmm. in between them in his original play is God, so swift. Yeah. You couldn't really usher them on and off the stage even that quickly, like logistically. Oh, like it's, gosh, just a, yeah. it's just a mess. But it, it, in the play as well, you don't realize they're the same person because it's kind of just like a day in the life of a kid, a teenager, and an adult. Right. So that's the flavor of what the play is. But it makes sense then how it could be easily because it is almost basically. Right. But he's like, I didn't really care to try and get it turned into a play or what it was going to be. Like, this is just what I needed to write at the time because of what right. was going on. We don't see it for a decade. We go back to Barry Jenkins. Like we said, he was in LA now at okay. the start of his career. He's making films in San Francisco. And this is where we get his start. I don't know if you've heard of this film. It's called Medicine for Melancholy. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I have. This is about the couple after mm -hmm. a, uh, it's I think an African-American couple after a one night stand and just kind of a, an exploration about you know, race and you know self-identity and what that means in the modern world. Yeah, very, very re well regarded at South by Southwest is unfortunately, though, kind of the year of what we now call sort of like mumble core, like the uh -huh. Duplass brothers, very much like in one night ambling through the city talking right, kind of right, a story. Right, right. And so he sort of got lumped into that sphere. And because he's the only African-American person making this kind of a movie, it's like, right. oh, he's that guy, which is unfortunate. But it was a big deal, and he people got saw seen, got kind of yeah. cornered as like the the African American mumblecore mumble artist. <laughs> right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, the mid two thousands. Yeah, exactly. And so it was a big deal, though. A film, just as some context, there was a film publicist at the time, Justin Simeon, who saw it and was like, "Well, I got to do something. If this guy's doing something, I've got to do hmm. something." So he pulls this draft of an idea off the shelf. It ends up becoming the movie Dear White People. Oh, which is cool. now a Netflix series. So that is directly because of this film 
that Barry Jenkins wow. made long, long ago. <laughs> uh, I didn't so this, know it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know it was spurred and that interlocked that tightly. Mm-hmm. I knew that, that that was quick to succeed after Moonlight, but uh, I didn't realize that that was really parallel. <laughs> yeah, before the first thing that Barry very did. much. Yeah. So now it looks like Barry's on the up and up because he has success. He's out of school. He did his PA work. He's made a movie. It's at South by Southwest. People are liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is sort of the doldrums, unfortunately, where it goes down because now the studios mm-hmm. are interested in. So he looks at studios. There's a lot of smaller projects. I won't go into everything, but they get shelved with the recession because it's 2008. 2008 He'll, hits. Yeah. Yeah. He also had a discussion with Disney about a project and they went with somebody else. He wouldn't say what it was, but it is produced and released. So something that Disney has made in the past eight years, he was on <laughs> and could have done two development projects at focus features, but they went nowhere. He had an adaptation of a book that went through three drafts and then fell apart. Oh my gosh. He ended up making a PBS short, which I found the link to. It's called Remigration. It's like a sci-fi dystopian thing as a Ooh. part of a, one of their series. It's about a black couple who flees overpriced housing and then gets coaxed back in due to this sort of dystopian blue-collar employment work. Oh. In the oh, city. Wow. Very interesting. That sounds really fascinating. But that was really the main thing that he had to show for all of these years of being out in Hollywood after his success. Gotcha. So now we come back. I'm going to tease with a little bit more of the Borscht Corporation. Borscht. So Andrew Hevia, one of the guys who's in Miami, and he reaches out because he had gone to film school with Barry Jenkins at Florida State. Gotcha. And ever since he saw uh, his 2008 film, he was like, well, He's why is he making movies about San Francisco? He needs to be making movies about <laughs> Miami. That's where he's from. Damn it. <laughs> so he's trying to get him to do something since he saw Medicine for Melancholy. And he's like, all right, Barry agrees. He'll go back. So he goes back in 2011 and directs this film, which again, there's a link to called Chlorophyll, just this little 17 minute mm. short film, but it has to do with Liberty City and where he's grown up. Okay. And tying in the other guy who founded Borscht, Lucas Leva, he attended the New World School of the Arts where Terrell graduated a few years ahead of him. So he knows Terrell and he was in touch with him and they were trying to figure out with him what to do with this. He has this never made personal project about Miami. So this is in 2011 and they get Barry Jenkins the script, but he doesn't do anything. It's just like here is this, they never, they didn't meet each other. It was just like, oh, maybe this is a thing. These are two guys at Borscht who have both been in mm-hmm. contact separately with uh, Barry Jenkins and Terrell Alvin McCraney. Yeah. And both went to school with <laughs> each of them independently, yeah. separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so they're um, like, we need to make some stuff. These guys are, these guys from my, <laughs> this, this guy from my school isn't doing it. But this guy from my school isn't doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but like I said, at this point, Barry's thinking like, God, I probably won't make another film. Like it's been five years of nothing and I'm in, been in the studio system and I had this one big movie and there's nothing to show for it. Maybe I'll just go mm-hmm. teach somewhere or do something. So at this point, he gets a call it's around 2013 from Adele Romanski, who mm-hmm. I mentioned was that old classmate from FSU. Right. And she had, she became a producer. She had just left a movie after really difficult development. And she was like, I want to make movies with people I know and trust and yeah. movies that could matter to somebody. Yes. Because she had also been struggling in the system. So she's like, what do you want to do? And we'll figure it out. I'll help you produce it. Like, I remember, like, you're a good friend, all of that stuff. 
Well, so, I love this. Uh, everybody seems to be like, well, I want to make something with people I know. I want to mm-hmm. like that. That seems to be the key through all of that is that, that how Terrell comes into the picture here. Barry coming into the picture. FSU girls coming in the picture. <laughs> like everybody is like everybody's kind of burned out by the impersonality of everything. Everybody's working there on tracks and kind of spinning wheels mm-hmm. uh, and kind of that, that all independently all go. I just like I just like the people I grew up with. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so everybody well, doing that all common denominators somehow we end up and also why am i not why am i not telling a story about me growing up yeah (laughs) why am i telling stories about you know san francisco i agree yeah (laughs) yeah so like i said adele asks him like hey what do you want to do and so he pitches her this idea about a san francisco police officer who's trying to save the city kind of like a diehard sort of thing and she's like absolutely not yeah there's no way you're doing this okay Sorry, I'm just like a, you know. No. What about the you know? It's just like the crazy run of the mill action. Just yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. She knows him. She's like, you don't want to do that. Yeah, you need to move. Be in <laughs> Arabic you. in school. Thank yeah. You. yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, okay. So <laughs> then he's like, what about the script that Andrew Hevia gave me back in 2011 when I was working on that short film? So like I said, still, after growing up four blocks away, going to the same elementary and middle school, this is the first gosh. time that they connect. And so they oh do gosh. meet to talk about this. And Barry was like, hey, would you think of, because Terrell's the playwright, you know, he's like, would you consider actually fleshing this out, turning it into a script? Mm-hmm. And also Barry is straight and Terrell is gay. And he's like, this was your life experience. Like, I'm not a gay man. I don't know if I would be able to do this writing this right. without your right. help and count and like blessing at the very least of understanding. Um, like you've got to be a confidant with me. <laughs> right. Going right. forward. Like the, like I, I, I can do what I do, but you're a whole big piece of this material that, mm-hmm. I, that needs to be there. You're a voice that needs to be in that room, please. <laughs> yeah. So right at this time, cause like we said, Terrell has been doing his playwright game. He gets the MacArthur, what they call genius grant, like the biggest Whoa. thing that you could get. And so he's super Whoa. busy. They were going to work on it, but he's like, I can't do this. I got so much going on. So Terrell also is like, use it, but but you are obviously the creator. This is a film, like use your experience. We had almost the same childhood. Where'd you go to school? Oh yeah. I mean, we're, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember? Exactly. <laughs> So Terrell also is more in the poetic dialogue, and Barry is obviously incredible with the visuals and the film subject matter. So Adele says, go write the first draft. He writes it in a month. And also, just thinking about it, the the marketplace, and as we've discussed, the lack of subject matter made him wanted to do it even more. Mm -hmm. So this is just a quote from him. He was like, I'm a guy from the projects who got together with a playwright from the projects to make a movie about a gay black kid from the projects. Mm -hmm. The whole point of making it was for people who might have grown up under similar circumstances. Right. Because there's nothing like it out there. So that made me look into, is there, what, 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 what are the influences? What are things that maybe we could draw from or talk about in regards to this subject matter, because yeah. it does seem like such a novel, unfortunately novel thing in cinema to say, hey, here's, here are people's people experiences. Like, we're not making this stuff up. Drug dealers teach little kids how to ride bikes. <laughs> like, right. this stuff right. is here. We see it. So the thing that I found, and there's a link to this in the show notes, is this guy, Marlon Riggs. And he's a documentarian who is known for exploring masculinity in you know, the black and gay areas. And so he wrote, created the the most popular or well-known part of his work is called Tongues Untied. And it is 
came out in 1989. It's a documentary, like I said, on being what it is to be black and gay. And huge, huge controversy when this came yeah. out because it was a part of the PBS series POV and they were showing it and PBS defended it. The president, vice president yeah. was like, this should be shown. But a lot yeah. of local stations were like, we're not going to air this. And it was a big deal because he had gotten oh, a federal grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. And people are like, should the federal government be giving money to this type of work? It was actually brought up in the Senate. And oh, then wow. uh, Pat Buchanan, the political candidate, tried to use it in a smear campaign against George H.W. Bush, like showing oh, clips from Tongues Untied and be like, look at what Bush is allowing under his administration. Oh, look at where the money's God. going to all this stuff. And uh, of course, that was violating the copyright. So they they grilled him on it, and then he couldn't show those good God things anymore. <laughs> and as Marlon Riggs was saying, it's like all of this censoring and the campaigning against it. He's like that proved the point that this is challenging the societal standards. Like that was the point I wanted to show. Like what what are we saying about race and sexuality? Why why don't you want to see this? Yeah, it ended yeah. up proving. He's like. Well, yeah, all of this controversy is proving the point. So that is probably, and like I said, it's it's. I think it's like fifty minutes. You can watch it. Link in our show notes. That's crazy. Um, I, I didn't know anything quite like that existed, and certainly nothing that elevated all the way to the uh, to the court <laughs> of the United States Senate. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that is probably the biggest thing in corollary to the to the themes and concepts of this. And okay. got a ton of guff for it. Mm -hmm. So now Barry obviously has all of this in mind. He's got his PowerPoint presentation to investors explaining the visual language and the comparisons, the merging of these two things, queer yeah. black cinema and urban male cinema, which mm -hmm. never the twain have met before. What is important is that people like our characters exist. Yes. This this is a thing, you know. The the what what strikes me the the whole story is about how society will make you feel almost not as a paradigm without it ever being verbalized that your true self does not exist or should not exist. Yeah. Um, so it is the deconstruction of how somebody navigates this in, in this particular socioeconomic background that, that has never been depicted before and is exactly the type of uh, socioeconomic background you would expect a different type of film from being set in. Uh, right. So it's all about this uh, uh, society shunning your 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 innermost thoughts while the film itself serves as proof. It is the proof that yeah. these stories exist, are real. These people are valid. These stories are valid. And they are just as moving as any other thing that comes into the theater. One. The one of the guys from Borscht Leva said he was like talking about he had heard a quote from a critique and saying it was like probably one of the most honest depictions of poverty or at least this area of Liberty City of Miami. And he's like, that's because films are an expensive art form and people talk about how we don't see this. And it's like what to go to film school or have access to the equipment, you have to have probably come from a more wealthy background. So those mm -hmm. are the stories that are being displayed. It's like, why isn't this story? Because because the people that are in Liberty City did not go to film school, you know? Because like they it, don't because Barry Jenkins makes a movie and it gets him nowhere. 
nobody yeah. doesn't get any attention. He doesn't make the right, you know, it just, just doesn't happen because yeah. why? That's the ultimate question. So why did it take to Moonlight for Barry Jenkins to finally have a career and for Terrell McCraney to actually have a real writing career? Yeah. Uh, it took them struggling for over a decade or more it's, 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 trying to figure out where they fit in in their own mm. industries, uh, in their own art forms. And it seemingly came out of nowhere by complete unknowns. How can that be? How can that? Well, that's what I think. Is so and we're talking yeah. about it as a masterclass of of filmmaking, just cinema, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and by somebody who would all um, people would almost say had never made another movie before. Well, actually, he had. <laughs> so what what is what is the disconnect? What why yeah. why do people like this have to churn and work and work and work and uh, there's there's a lot behind this movie uh, and there's a lot being said about. What the implications of this movie, both narratively in in the material and everything surrounding it, and how it got where it went. And I think what's so fascinating about it, as we're seeing, is like these people that are coming back into different people's lives. It's like it is a lot about oh, well, let's just work with the people that we do want to work yeah. with, I do believe it that we did come up with, and like all of that stuff certainly does help when it comes to getting something made and something yeah. out there. So yeah. Barry is pitching all of this. He's got his PowerPoint presentations. He's got everything. Doesn't work. No financiers want to commit. Like another bump in the road of like, cool, Adele, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out. You said yeah. you're going to help me. Predict. Like this was crazy to me, the turnaround for it. So Barry Jenkins was a moderator at the Q&A for 12 Years a Slave at a film festival. Oh, yeah. He met Brad Pitt there and the producers from his production company. And they were like, yes, we want to make this which led them to A24 as the distributor. And that was their first in-house production, A24s. Oh, but it was like, really? that's how it eventually, that's not all of the pitch meetings to investors, but being on a and a at a yeah. film, you know, <laughs> like being the moderate, it's not, they're not even, he's moderating it. They're not even yeah. asking. <laughs> they gave the moderator a film deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It's> like, <laughs> but but that's, that's how it, that's how it happened. His, you know, their that company seeing what and that was that was were two, not that was twenty thirteen. Yeah, twelve years a slave was twenty thirteen. So it was like it so wasn't like he was be... pitching it for years and years and years. He was... right. So the, he has to be given this moderation at least in twenty thirteen, if not twenty fourteen after the movie's out. Yeah. So he had been pitching it around for a while, but still, this is where the dam breaks. And yeah. oh, here's the person who wants to, but not in a boardroom. In Studio City, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the back of it, like the back room of some yeah. like theater hall. Yeah. <laughs> but even still, it's only a $1.5 million budget and under a month to shoot, which sounds like a lot for people that are not as familiar with the filmmaking process. But like, imagine housing, feeding, and paying people a salary for 30 days, along with everything else that it takes to make a movie. Yeah, that's not even counting just, you know, equipment, you know, everything going in front of the camera. Yeah. (laughs) People having to make money because they're working, flights, hotels, like everything. It it stacks up. So you said 1.9? 1.5. 1.5. Yeah. That's the difference between $200,000 and $2 million, really not that, not (laughs) a, a staggering amount. Uh, when you're talking yeah. about independent filmmaking that, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like an exponential, but it, it, 
it really adds up. And they're they're only shooting for 30 days max. So that that is a tight turnaround. That is not a lot of money. And yeah. you're shooting in you're shooting in on location in Florida. There's not a ton uh, film infrastructure there so i mean yeah it costs yeah they were shooting on the same city blocks where he lived as a kid they actually used right. an apartment where he was with his ex-girlfriend before like I love all kinds of stuff like that the cinematography going back to people is james laxton who shot my josephine his first school production at fsu really? and he became adele romansky's husband so the producer gal they're they're married wow yeah um, okay. I, I <laughs> so it's all one big that, yeah. one big family the other people, Joy McMillan, who uh, was nominated for editing along with Nat Sanders, they also went to school with Jenkins at FSU. So the editors wow. as well were also part. And so Jenkins here is thinking all these people would not take a chance on something that isn't going to work. Like you would, right. you'd think you'd have all these doubts and things, but it's like, yeah, there's just so many people that have so much skin confidence. in the game on this. Yeah. It has to mean something. Yeah. Um, the other thing that really meant something was like we said, filming where they grew up because he's he's saying, and I'll just read a, a longer quote about this, but he was saying, when we shot at night, parents would come out and tell me we don't usually let our kids out after dark because there are no street lights. But since you all got your movie lights, it's a lot safer. Oh, wow. So he was saying kids would come out and sit at the video monitors and watch him work and point and say, hey, he grew up here. And he was like, I could tell from their faces, this black dude walking around with all of this machinery, calling action, running things like that's an eye-opening experience oh for them. And he was oh, like, was I can't, oh, yeah, that's oh, just pause. That's an, um, that's a magical experience. Yeah. Um, coming to a neighborhood like that and being an example, being that crazy of an example, it's $1.5 million budget, but it's still, that set looks like a movie set. <laughs> right. For sure. That must do more than you could ever put into words. And it's also like it's not a joke. Like these kids, these, these kids cannot be out after dark. Like that's not a joke. It's like that's not a joke happen, at like, all. But then the fact that's like the moms are like, no, they can be because this is happening. I mean, you 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 let these kids come out at night and see. I mean, unbeknownst to themselves, but making a a staple in the in the art form, <laughs> right? You know, and nobody knows that at the time. All they know is, oh my god, somebody who grew up just like me is running a movie set. <laughs> yeah, and coming That's back. That's enough. To do it. It, who care? It could have been any movie. It could have been any movie mm -hmm. and that would have been huge. Yeah. But then to take it across the line and it be this, it be Moonlight <laughs> and go on to do everything it did. I mean, good good yeah. god, that is a fairy tale. And then of course, after it gets made, people start seeing it, recognizing uh and it goes on to all the awards and all the accolades. And I and I I came. I became aware of it through the festival circuit that year. It just was an, a title that I mm -hmm. kept hearing, and and it seemed to be one that just kind of kept making the leg race to the next. It just happened to get just enough momentum that it stayed alive all through the festival season, and then my mm -hmm. God, got <laughs> nominated for best picture out of it. Like even that on its own was insane. Yeah. Um. And then you carry forth into the actual Oscars. And I think that <laughs> that Oscars is probably going to go down as one of the most historic, not only just based on because of the one, but how it went down. This is yeah. the famous the uh, mix up with La La Land. Um, and yeah. and I'll never forget. I mean, and it meant so much. It meant an immense amount to me. I loved La La Land, but having Moonlight actually win Best Picture that night 
just to myself that it made me absolutely break down into tears uh, that something like that had made it that far. Um, and knowing and I now, can't imagine what, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine what that must felt to, for somebody who had closer experiences to what the movie is even like. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, it, it can't be overstated how much this story and these types of stories mean. Um, we don't see these stories because we don't see these stories. If we start seeing these stories, hopefully we can start seeing more of these stories. Yeah. And just to keep like at what, what happens after. So after Moonlight, Barry, interestingly, he directed the fifth episode of the TV show, Dear White People, which oh, is okay. because he had a direct influence to the creator right, of course. who created it. So that's awesome. And then he did If Beale Street Could Talk, which is based on James Baldwin's novel, which was nominated for Adapted Screenplay and won for Best Supporting Actress. And then we had mentioned this in our Harriet Tubman episode, but he's doing the television adaptation of The Underground Railroad, that book by Colson Whitehead, as if it was an actual underground railroad so that's what he's been doing is that tv show and that'll be really cool yeah and and i i I imagine you're about to say this but terrell uh we we've already covered another piece (laughs) right uh uh, written by terrell we uh, a few weeks back earlier this year we uh covered high flying bird the steven soderbergh uh film about the uh, basketball stars on social media that was written by terrell alvin mccraney um, yeah. And he teaches at Yale now as well. And like I said, he's written over oh, wow. a dozen plays. He got the MacArthur Genius Grant. <laughs> he's living it up on the playwriting game. Wow. Uh, well, there you have it. That's Moonlight. Thank you so much, Taylor. Guys, if you have any suggestions, if you're watching something, reading something, you're excited for something coming out, let us know what you're interested in. You never know when we will take a suggestion and use yours. Like um, this one. So we took this like, one. Just like this one. You never know. So thank you so much. Hit us up at IlliteratePod on Instagram, uh, and we will catch you next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.